You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here from the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody about one of our great sponsors here on the 24-7 Sports Network, and that is Homefield Apparel. What is Homefield Apparel? You guys, the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis that produces incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like Auburn and all of their great logos and designs um, that they've had throughout their history. Homefield digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. Obviously, one of their most popular collections is the Auburn Collection now. Now over 20 pieces in total on their site, Homefield Apparel. Com. If you guys were anywhere on social media, you you were part of the Peacock movement. Um, if you're an Auburn fan of the Auburn basketball season, they've got a great Peacock shirt and Peacock hoodie that says Auburn Hoops. Easily my favorite design of theirs. Um, it's a great, great piece of uh, piece of work for an Auburn fan to pick up to commemorate this basketball season. You guys can still get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com with the code Auburn Undercover. That's all caps, all one word. Auburn Undercover. Please go check it out. You guys love their product, have loved it for a really long time. If you guys have been anywhere in the world of college athletics in the past couple of years in terms of social media, like I talked about, they have been phenomenal. They've done a really good job of branding themselves and they back it up with a great product. And Auburn is one of their biggest sellers, like that new Peacock uh, jacket I was just telling you guys about. So be sure to go pick that up. Get 15% off your first purchase. Again, promo code, all caps, Auburn Undercover at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here with the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. We are live on YouTube and Facebook, so welcome in to everybody watching us. Uh, hopefully, we've got a lot of interest after Auburn's first uh, fall camp scrimmage. Bring in Christian, Jason, and Mark Murphy here. Um, we were all up at the stadium not an hour and a half ago. Got a lot of good information from Brian Harson. That was a couple hours after we started getting information from those um, inside the stadium. And so a uh, pretty eventful scrimmage. And I will say maybe the highlight was uh, Brian Harson arriving to, to speak with us four minutes before his schedule time because uh, uh, I think it was a few years ago we waited in there almost an hour, so uh, which is understandable. Don't don't be focused on us after the scrimmage, of course. But um, yeah, like Jason, lots of good stuff. We will we will waste zero time and get right in with the quarterback situation because that's what everybody wants to talk about. That's what everybody wants to hear about. Um, you wrote about T.J. Finley tonight because we continue to hear really good things about T.J. Finley. He's been the most accurate guy in camp so far. 
And he was pretty good tonight too, in in, in terms of his overall. Not even just the the you know, completions and whatnot, but what Brian Harson talked about was the overall command of the offense, understanding where guys are supposed to be. He seems like he's he's got that down right now. Yeah, um, when Brian Harson started describing what he's looking for in a quarterback and the things that are important to him, it, it almost sounded like he was talking about T.J. Finley specifically because I mean he he's second year in the system. He knows the system better than anybody else. He's able to get the guys lined up, and, and we've heard about the leadership side of things from him, and so I think that's something that's been there. But you know, he led them on a couple of scoring drives. Um, you know, that's that's you know pretty good throws. Uh, you know, you know, I think you know a touchdown to Camden Brown, which is a big deal, and, and obviously throwing it to the freshman right now is probably a pretty good idea, no matter where you are. So that's a good that's a good thing. But the the thing that's just that that stands out to me is is that you know people kind of just through TJ Finley by the wayside a little bit, um, you know, after the the finish last year, but man, at quarterback, we've seen this time and time and time again. Um, you never know when, when it clicks for a guy, you never know when, when the situation arises. And Hey, we're not saying he's going to be the starter. Just saying that I think he's improved. I think he's gotten better. And that's a good thing. Uh, if he's not the starter, then that means the quarterback room's in pretty good shape. So, um, I think the first the first obvious takeaway is that you know TJ Finley's I think improved he's gotten better and in turn that that's going to force everybody else in that room to step up a little bit. The first question here on YouTube, by the way, if y'all have questions, we'll kind of just we'll kind of just roll through this thing. Uh, we don't really have much of a plan here. Just wanted to get in and, and jump in. I know everybody's interested to know what happened. Uh, Andrew Ackerman says Finley's been more accurate, made better decisions than Calzada. Um, I mean that. Not to boil it down too simply, Jason, but I mean the answer's probably been yes. These I mean, it, 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 it sounds like it. I mean, we've seen yeah. bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about this the other night when when you're standing there watching TJ Finley throw a football, it's pretty. I mean, he he throws a really good football. Uh, he's a guy that looks good standing in the pocket. You know, and and scrimmage situations are the first opportunity where you can go. Okay, now what what happens when you? start blitzing and, and you show them some different looks on defense and you do all those different things. And so um, I don't know that it's, it's, you know, a huge gulf between him and those guys, but I think he's done a good job of, of, of delivering the football and doing some of those things and decision-making again, he's, he's been in this, this offense a lot longer than everybody else. Zach Calzada did not have a spring practice. Now he was able to be out there. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty thing to pretty big thing to, to, to have to respond to and come back from. So you would, you would think the guy like Zach Calzada would, would take some steps as now you get a scrimmage under your belt while TJ Finley's had a lot more reps in this offense. Yeah. Chris De Palma says late to this, feel like a QB needs to be established a few weeks for the first snap. Yeah. Getting into a little bit more of what Harson talked about with the quarterback situation, just so um, you know, everything's clear for their plan over the next week. Um, Sunday as in tomorrow, They'll break down the film, and then Monday the guys have the have the day off. They'll come back on Tuesday when when classes start at the university. And at that point, Harson said the coaching is not just quarterbacks. Everybody, you kind of take that next step in in whittling down reps and and uh, you know figuring out situations for guys, whether it's scout team or whatever. Um, but then the second scrimmage is what we've been waiting on to that. That's going to be the big separation point. That's really when you've got to start. Um, figuring things out to the quarterback situation as well. You've got to make sure you're you're getting things figured out there. I wouldn't be surprised 
if maybe one of those guys, maybe not so publicly, but one of them gets kind of pushed out of that situation just so you're, you know, like we talked about on the last podcast, it's difficult. I think you said it, Mark. It's difficult to have three quarterbacks. You know, it's difficult to have a three quarterback race throughout the entirety of Falcon. You just don't have enough reps for that. Um, so we have a question here about Camden Brown. Cole Harris says Camden Brown playing his way into a starting role. Uh, yeah, Christian, I think you retweeted that that video of the of the touchdown from Finley. Um, I mean, it's getting to the point now where you know at the beginning it was a lot of hype. Kept seeing his name pop up as playmaker of the day when we were in the football complex. And now uh, the rubber is meeting the road a little bit. and seems like this dude absolutely could be a starter for them this season. Yeah, no, 100%. I don't know if he necessarily cracks you know, the first team that gets out there on Mercer, but he's going to be playing a ton at wide receiver. Uh, and, you know, if he doesn't crack the first team, it's just because they have they, they just have so many guys at wide receiver now. But Camden has clearly established himself as a guy that will see the field a lot this fall. And it's not just because of his size. Uh, he's a good playmaker, and his size is a big part of that. But He's proven that, you know, despite just coming in in the summer, he's picked things up quickly and he seems really smooth with it. He doesn't really, he doesn't look lost. You know, some freshmen look lost out there. We haven't really seen that at all. Yeah, Mark, Christian mentioned something we were talking about tonight. Um, he may not be a starter, but they may rotate a bunch of guys. And it's something that, that I kill you. You heard him talking about that the other day. We may see six, eight, nine wide receivers. Um uh, in the actual regular rotation, especially early in the year, don't you think? Yeah, and he's talked about uh, putting those guys out there and let them compete and uh, made the best man win. And uh, he's been pushing them hard, um, and he's given everybody an opportunity. And, uh, boy, he gave some really detailed information about each of the receivers when we talked to him earlier this week. So uh, I think the players at that position really like him as their position coach. I thought that was a, a substandard part of the team last year. And I think there's a good possibility they're going to be better at wide receiver this year. Are they going to be great? Way too early to say that, but they're, they're going to be better. And uh, that's very important to the quarterbacks. Uh, uh, those guys need to step up to make the quarterbacks look good. I have a question here. We're going to get into some of these. Let me scroll up. Um, let's see here. Uh, Hayden Harris says, did Tank struggle more of him doing too much or line not doing enough? I thought Tank, Tank supposedly did a did a pretty good job, but Mark Damari Alston was one of the big stands. I was talking talk about Camden Brown. The other side of that in terms of true freshman was Alston, who, you know, it's it did you know be no shame on him or anything like that, settling in, you know, behind Jarquez Hunter and Tank Bigsby, like you know, the number three spot for him. That's great for a true freshman. Um, but he had two touchdowns tonight and uh and apparently according to brian harson looked like a pretty good ball carrier with his speed on the edge too he's got quick feet uh he's better than i thought he was going to be i knew he was a good player he set the uh record at woodward academy for career rushing yards and they've been playing football there for probably about 100 years and they have a lot of good players that come through there um you know the most recent example for auburn fans to look at walker kessler uh, from that same high school and, uh, yeah, I think the running back situation is going to be fine. I've talked to some the former players, and they said, you know, Tank Bigsby looked pretty good. They said a couple times maybe probably should have kept the ball and gone straight up the gut instead of trying to cut outside because the defense is pretty quick. And, uh, you know, sometimes if it's third down and one or third down and two, just best to go ahead and go for the two yards instead of trying to make the big play. We saw him do that some 
at times last year. So that'll be something to watch when the season gets going, guys. Yeah, Wade Kemp here says here, what was Camden Brown rated coming out of high school? Um, Christian, this was, you know, I, I go to you again because you were a big Camden Brown guy even like, you know, this time last year. Um, this is one of the ones when you look at this offensive staff, you give them two thumbs up in terms of evaluation. This was a guy they were on for a long time. Um, made it a big priority to get him to Auburn. Believe the composite had him as the number 66 receiver. Number 66, um, number class. 435 overall, three-star. Yeah. Um, he was rated actually even lower by 24-7 sports as the number one wide receiver – or number 91 wide receiver. Um, but, you know, Auburn, he came to camp last June. Um, Auburn kind of identified him then. From that point on, it was a little bit of an up-and-down recruitment. Um, but – Auburn circles back and seems to have won out pretty big in the end there um, by landing his signature um, away from Pitt there in December. So, I mean, that was a, that was a low three-star. That was a kid who kind of made it, made a name for himself at Auburn's camp and, you know, a strong senior season at St. Thomas Aquinas kind of secured things for Auburn and you're seeing why now. I mean, he's been, he's been the guy, it seems like that has garnered outside of the quarterbacks, probably garnered the most attention in fall camp. Yeah. And Christian, he's, He's not a guy that runs 4-3, and so a lot of times if you're not a 4-3 guy, and at St. Thomas Aquinas, there's so many good players. They run the football. They're really balanced. He's not like he got thrown 700 footballs as a senior. He didn't get a ton. They get a state championship game, the biggest game of the year, and, and he steps up and makes a bunch of plays. And so um, he, he's he's one of those guys that it, there's, there's no other way to put it. He's a dog. That's what he is. He is one of those guys that you look at him and you go, that guy's going to fight, claw, and scratch. And and he happens to be 6'3", 200 pounds, and a big physical kid. So um, he's got the things you're looking for, and he's got really something that they don't have. They've got kind of everything else. Um, I, I think the, you know, he's got some in, some interesting combinations to, to play with now. If you got that physical guy out there, Javarius Johnson or Tavares Dawson inside, the, the quick guys that can do it. Shedrick Jackson kind of does a little bit of both. Uh, and then all the tight ends, um, they got an interesting mixture of guys right now. And then maybe Capers is going to step up to give him a six-four wide receiver. He's had a good preseason, and you know, talk about Brown. He's a guy at that camp you could just tell he liked to go over the middle, catch the ball in traffic. He wasn't scared of anybody out there. And I don't care if he's three stars, two stars, or no stars. The guy's a player. Yeah, certainly. Like like Christian said, lots of attention for him. Lots of, you know, the microscope is on that receiver's room um, this fall because you know, it's, it's equally important for them to be consistent with the quarterback race. Um, and he's done a good job of that so far. Um, I want to get through just the rest of the notes here from the scrimmage from from talking to Brian Harson before we get fully into questions. Realize we haven't gone through everything yet. Although I, I will hit on Shane Martin saying, did they say Calzada didn't play in the scrimmage? No, he did play. So let's just get that out of the way. Yes. Yeah, all three. Yeah, he oh, actually yeah. threw a touchdown pass to John Samuel Shrinker. It uh, it was about 25 yards. Shrinker caught the ball near the goal line and ran into the end zone. There you go. And then uh, and obviously Finley, like we were talking about, Camden Brown connected with him. Um, yeah, so Harson pointed out, um, obviously, those two freshmen. Another really big development um, is Anders Carlson being healthy. All indications right now seems like he'll be ready for week one. I mean, dude was four for four, um, kicking the ball tonight. Seemed like his leg was plenty strong. He still got that brace on the left knee, obviously. Remember, he tore his ACL against Mississippi State. That was week 11 
of last season. We were wondering, you know, how they were going to use Alex McPherson, the you know the, the number one kicker recruit. He's a true freshman. You know, whether he would be needed at the beginning of the year, he he might be. But as of right now, Anders Carlson's their guy. Um, looks good out there again. Four for four. Um, Harson gave a lot of compliments to the defensive line. Um, of course, this is something he's joked about a couple times, uh, saying, you know, it's tough to be the head coach either. You know, you're you you want to give everybody credit, but you know, when when you're not live and a pass rusher comes in, you know, it's hard to gauge the sacks, is what he said. But you know, he said he said he felt like if it was an actual game situation, you know, Derek Hall and Ekuliota would have had maybe a couple sacks. Um, the final play of the scrimmage, we'll talk about this later. There's a question here already about the safety position. Uh, Craig McDonald, the Iowa State transfer. Um, we saw this one, guys, as we were as we were getting ready to go in. He picked it up, ran it. Harson said it was about 95 yards. Um, I don't know who who ran the ball. I know Ashford was running the offense, um, but Harson can remember which linebacker blew up the play. But uh, as a scoop and score, is a goal line situational uh, work for them, and it was a scoop and score for Craig McDonald. And I saw Colby Wooden running on the field to uh, to celebrate with him. So defense got that to to close things out. Um, it was a Wesley Steiner yeah, yeah. missed the a gap. And he got there before the quarterback could even hand off. And so it was like no fault on the quarterback on that play. He was yeah. he was toast. Yeah, you know, he mentioned Wesley Steiner and and I think one of the more interesting developments of the preseason has been the linebacker group. Mark wrote about him tonight. Um Owen Popo out there looking like Owen Popo again. But but Cam Riley, Wesley Steiner. Uh, Robert Woodyard uh, made a, you know, a couple of big plays in this scrimmage. And, you know, Ron Harson talked a little bit about him and, you know, kind of stepping up. That linebacker group has has the potential to go from a question mark to a strength because there's some talent there. It's just, you know, they hadn't played a ton. But, man, if those guys can stay healthy, um, that's a group that could 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 make what's already a pretty good defense. Uh, even better. And so, man, that, that, that has some exciting potential, I think, for this team. And you even mentioned Desmond Tisdall, too, another junior yep. who hasn't played a whole lot. And, uh, you know, earlier this week, talking to Christian Robinson, um, he said he said all the guys have actually looked pretty good. So I think he's pretty pleased with the way they're coming along. And uh, to me, this might be one of the bigger surprises of the year if they end up being too deep and really good linebackers and maybe even more than too deep. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah. Talent's there. Um, and we, we talked to Cam Riley a couple days ago and it was good to get his perspective, obviously his, his journey, his growth into a guy who is a pretty slender player, um, you know, quick, a quick player along the defensive front in high school, but now just a <laughs> really good looking SEC linebacker this season. And he basically, disclosed that he has the starting job alongside Owen Papo right now. He said one of the starting jobs, you know, the linebackers will rotate a lot. Um, but he said, you know, as the starter, I need to know the playbook pretty well. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think, I think he's a guy that gives you a little something different. I think Wesley Steiner is probably more of a true kind of middle linebacker guy. Um, and, you know, Owen's kind of playing that role too. Cam Riley gives you a, a six, four, almost six, five rangy, you know, kind of a downhill guy, and it's a little bit. You know, they're not really anybody else like that up at the at the position. So I think that's a I think that's a big advantage for him. If I'm blitzing, I'm pleased to have both him and Popo out there to get after quarterbacks because those guys are a plus athletes, guys. Yeah, Papo. That was one thing 
Harson touched on was, you know, this is the first time in a in a you know offense versus defense type of setting, you know, whether it's a scrimmage or or what have you, where they've had Owen Papo back from that from that injury. Obviously, he didn't participate in the spring, and Harson said, "Look, Owen looked like Owen out there, and we know he made a, a good tackle in space against um, Tank Bigsby, and he's just overall like like Mark said." When you've got your uh, your five star senior, probably going to be a future NFL player, team captain of last season. I mean, it goes on and on for Owen Papo. Um, you can't you can't talk any any higher about uh, his impact for the defense. And that's what Cam Riley said too. You know, as as beneficial as it was for him to get those reps in the spring, which that's that's something he seemed pretty excited about when he was talk when he when it was brought up, saying, "Yeah, that was really big for me." Um, you know, it's again, you can't replace a guy like Owen Papo. Um, so I think we've I think we've run through here. I'm looking. The main stuff. I think we'll. I think we'll get through the rest of it if we'll go through questions here. So if you guys have any, um, again, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll get some here. So Gerard Pruitt asks, "What did Ashford look like today?" I know he's a running threat, but it's hard to show that element when the quarterbacks aren't live. Yeah, Christian, that's something where this has been the. We've known how athletic Robbie Ashford is, and he's had a chance to show it occasionally, um, but. You have to wonder how many more big scrambles he would have had between a day, between this scrimmage, you know, some of the other work we've seen him do. Um, so it'll be interesting to see once they, you know, once he actually is allowed to be live, um, what kind of athlete he is in the open field. And as we understand it, that was again the case today. He's he's a guy that's a lot slipperier, slip a lot more slippery, slipperier. I don't think his word than uh, than the other two guys. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's something like when we go and we would have the different media viewing windows and stuff like that. He might be the most most erratic in terms of sometimes you'll have some incredible throws. Sometimes they're not as incredible, but he's just not necessarily a practice quarterback. You get him in this setting in a scrimmage in a game or whatnot. And he's a guy that's, he's going to go out there and make plays. And, you know, Harson talked about it. He was asked about it afterwards. Is it tough for you as a coach when you can't, you know, the quarterback can't get hit, you can't go live and you have a guy like Robbie that can do that. And Harson was like, yeah, it is kind of tough, but um, it, it seemed like Robbie had a, pretty successful scrimmage overall. Um, one of the things that kind of stuck out to me was on that 95 yard scoop and score. I mean, Robbie almost tracked him down. Yeah. Uh, he tried to get him. His speed. Yeah. yeah. Robbie <laughs> almost got all the way back there to Craig. Um, so that was, I mean, that just kind of showed off his speed a little bit, but he definitely had, I mean, overall, I think he did pretty good repping with the twos and the threes there a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Um, I think back to 2010 and, you know, Gus, when I was on Gene Chizik, didn't really have any idea what they had in Cam Newton until they put him on the field. And, and he did enough to win the starting job without the running and without the scrambling, without the live quarterback stuff. But it is, it's just an added dimension that, that, you know, it's there. And so you kind of, Mark, you kind of have to think about it going out. Well, I know what we would get from that side, but you heard Harson tonight. The one thing that, that Robbie Ashford doesn't have a ton of is, is quarterback, real quarterback experience, you know, had a couple of injuries in high school, you know, a couple of years at Oregon hadn't played. He just doesn't have a ton of quarterback play under his belt. And so um, that's just a hard thing to overcome sometimes. And so, um, you know, it's that leadership, leading the team, um, you know, kind of decision-making, all those things that it's just, you know, he just doesn't have as much, you know, practical work as, as some of those other guys right now. Another reason for that, too, is he was a really good baseball player in high school, and he tried to play baseball, too, at Oregon and played a little bit. So he never concentrated full-time on football and being a quarterback. And, you know, reminds me back when uh, Nick Marshall was competing for the quarterback job, and uh, he couldn't do his full thing 
uh, at all in these type of scrimmages. And they actually had uh, one scrimmage let him go live. And uh, after they saw him do that, they decided he needed to play quarterback. Yeah, and then he had no more live scrimmages for him because he didn't need any more. <laughs> but I do. I think Robbie's a guy, the more reps he gets, I think he's got an opportunity to improve maybe more than any of the other guys because of that, just that natural ability. It's just a matter of getting more reps for him. All right. Uh, AU for life asks, how are the safeties looking? Yes. Yeah, this, this is turning out to be a pretty interesting um, competition here between believe the most likely content. You know, we haven't heard a lot about Caleb Wooden. I, I know he's, he's in the mix there, but when we've seen the first team work, it's been mostly Craig McDonald and mostly um, Caden Bridges, who, Brian Harson said tonight, big athlete. I mean, a guy who's going to be a, a good player for them in the future. Does he have it all there right now to be able to compete with a guy like McDonald who's had a couple seasons of production there in the Big 12? Not sure, and, but on the on the flip side, Mark, talking about how good of an athlete Caden Bridges is, um, seems like Craig McDonald is pretty good coming back from that ankle injury considering, again, he was able to run, <laughs> he was able to run the fumble all the way back down the field, so... Um, that's one of those where I feel like, you know, there is going to be a starter on the depth chart, but similar to, you know, like 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 by Darius Knighton and, and Zion Puckett last season at safety. Seems like both of those guys are, are going to get in that rotation in the secondary. Yeah, I think the secondary has got a chance to be pretty good. Uh, losing smoke Monday, but they've said a lot of good things. The coaches and other players about Zion Puckett as a leader back there, a guy who really understands football. And, you know, he missed spring practice. He was very limited what he could do because of a shoulder problem. But he's healthy now, ready to go. Uh, Craig McDonald uh, obviously must be healthier than he was a couple weeks ago because he took that thing back 95 yards uh, on the uh, scoop and score play. And he's a big safety. And uh, that's one thing that sort of stands out to me. They do have some big guys back there. They also have some length at cornerback, too. So, uh, um, you know, on the subject of defensive backs, one guy we need to mention uh, is Keontae Scott. Uh, he, I'm understanding he made a really good play, uh, reflecting a pass, and he just generally looked good out there. And uh, Keontae Scott probably doesn't even know um, what where all the classroom buildings are that he's going to be in uh, this this next week. So uh, he's just got in town and, uh, you know, he's a guy that was real highly ranked by 24 seven. And so far he's showing why. Yeah. Just on Craig McDonald real quick. I remember, I think I was with Jason in the complex early in June um, when those guys first reported and he walked in we're like, who is that? Because he looked like a linebacker. He's like, I think he's like six, two or something Mm -hmm. like that, but he, he looks almost like a linebacker out there. Yeah, he, he's a big dude um, when you look at him. And um, you're right, he, he you know, you had mentioned Zion Puckett. Zion Puckett, to me, almost is the given right now. We're, you know, Nathan, I think when you're talking about that, we're talking about the other positions. Zion Puckett's a guy that's a leader back there. I think he's taken over Caden Bridges. And, you know, and you look at him and, and Craig McDonald, I think we'll see both those guys. Caden Bridges, yeah. another baseball player, really good athlete that's kind of come on strong and done some things. So, um yeah, it's it's it is Nathan. It's an interesting dynamic, and I think the the one constant. Uh, well, I won't say one constant. I think there's, I think there's three constants right now in this in the secondary. Nehemiah Pritchett, Jalen Simpson, and, and Donovan Kaufman. Donovan Kaufman has become a guy that I think no matter what style of team they play, 
Donovan Coffin is going to be on the field. They're playing a physical team. He'll be the nickel. They're playing a team that might throw more. He may slide back and play a true safety spot, but he is he's definitely a guy that I feel like is is you know coming to his own as one of the leaders of this defense. Yeah, video idea. Um, track Keontae Scott, I guess, with a GoPro on his first day in the Haley Center. On, uh, on oh, it would be that would be fantastic. Yes, <laughs> and see how that goes. Get the uh, get the no, but 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 muted. Up. You'd have to mute the the sound, but yeah, because if you could do that with just about anybody, and <laughs> it would be just a whirling dervish or stuff. Have they? I, I feel like have they done that before? Like freshmen in the Haley Center? Because I mean, good lord, my first day in there, I can remember was. Video and GPS because you need both of them. Yeah, and like track their uh, track their path. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, anyway, we, uh, Daniel Owen asks: Is there still a lot of rotation at guard? Yeah, a couple more guys that need to be need to be pointed out. We've talked about Tate Johnson a lot. Um, was I? Am I mistaken? Was he getting first team reps at center? Center. Yeah, yeah. They were they were doing some different things tonight, but Tate sure, Johnson yeah. in at center. The the the. Maybe the biggest surprise for me tonight was was Brian Harson talking about Brendan Coffey saying he's he's been both at tackle and guard. Um, Brendan Coffey looks like a wrestler. I mean, that, like he looks like a dude that you could just throw him in the ring right now, and he could. He's one. Of the, he's another one of those guys. If you go man, the light comes on, he could he could be special. But you know, you got Keandre Jones, Brandon Council, Alec Jackson, Cam Stutz, Jaleel Irvin. Tate Johnson and now Brendan Coffey. Um, that's that's a big group of offensive line, and you know James Murray asking how did the O line do? I th- it's it's probably a mixed bag um, to be quite honest because there is you're 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 rolling you know a, a first offense, a second offense, a third offense, um, kind of mixing in and out. It's hard to get in a rhythm, and we we talked about it. It's so important for that offensive line group to build a cohesive group. That's impossible until you kind of settle in on a group and, and they're not anywhere close to that right now. You know, Brian Harson did mention he liked what he saw with some of the combination blocks and some of the cohesion from the, the group out there. So, uh, but I, from what I was told overall, the interior of the defensive front outplayed the interior of the offensive front. So, that's good news for Jimmy Brumball because he's got a lot of guys he's testing out in there, including a guy who he saw at Oregon last year, Jason Jones, who's a supersized nose guard in there. And, uh, you know, if Jason Jones steps up and plays his potential, uh, that's going to definitely help the defense this year because, you know, if he requires a double team to root him out there on interior run plays, that's going to leave some really talented guys on the edge, uh, some opportunities to make plays. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and speaking of guys on the edge, question we'll get down to uh, here just says Dylan Brooks. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's something that we posted a while ago um, was that he was was dealing with a little bit of an ailment at the beginning of, of, of camp, um, had to work his way back physically to kind of get over that. Um, but heard he's working back in just fine. He, he was a participant tonight. And like Brian Harson mentioned, um, everybody's everybody's a go right now i mean there are no serious injuries for this team which if you're talking about a team that you know maybe is not expected to do super well and the expectations aren't super high if you're going to try to reach that ceiling if you're going to try to you know push past those expectations um we've seen it time and time again with auburn over the past few years even obviously last season got to be healthy to give yourself a chance and right now they're they're checking all those boxes and yeah dylan brooks is is fine. He's worked his way back, and he's uh, he's back in that rotation right now. A good yeah. example of that uh, for the guys who've been around watching Auburn a long time, the 1993 Auburn team, very low expectations. They almost started the exact same lineup every single game, didn't lose a game, won a lot of tight games because um, they were as healthy as a college football team can be. Nineteen Go really old school, 1972. Team was really downplayed after the uh, Pat Sullivan graduated in '71. All American Terry Beasley and a lot of really other talented guys were gone. That team had an attitude that hey, we're pretty good. They ended up losing just one game, and a big reason for that was the key guys stayed healthy the whole season. Yeah, and like we talked about it. I mean, who knows what would have happened at the end of last year? Those the, you know, one one play here or there, obviously, were the reason for them losing some of those games. But you know that that losing streak started. If you had had Bo Nix against, you know, in the Iron Bowl in, in that game, obviously TJ Finley TJ Finley was injured in that game. Um, so it's it's a great sort of starting point for Auburn right now, getting things kicked off um, in fall camp. Looking here, uh, Cameron Heron asked, "Would you be surprised if TJ Finley started over Zach Calzada?" Um, would not be surprised at any of these at any of these guys right now, but certainly wouldn't be surprised at Finley. Now, I think all three of these guys have a legitimate shot, and that's something we're learning over the course of camp. Um, you know, it seems like Finley's doing the best, like you talked about, Jason. Right now, I'm I'm still with you and sort of your thought process from maybe like a week ago when we were on here um, that it's seeming more and more like you're gonna have a couple guys, not just a package situation you're gonna have a couple guys running this offense against mercer it just seems in all likelihood like yeah i I think you're gonna try to get in that first game and just see what the guys look like with the lights on and 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 with everything kind of you know live and and coming at you so yeah i I think you know they'll have an idea of like who our starter is but it's gonna be written in pencil i think uh until until you see what's going on i'm absolutely think tj finley could be the starter um you know, and we talked about this earlier. I don't know how many times you can count, but it'd take more than one hand to count quarterbacks that people gave up on that 
turned wound up being really good players. You don't have to go that far back either. There's been quite a few of them. Um, I don't know. One of the biggest examples is Ben Leard. Um, I mean, he was he was given up for given up for dead. Uh, you know, early on in his career, a game against Virginia, and then looked up and and man, without a couple of injuries, Ben Leard would have put together you know one of the the best seasons in Auburn history for a quarterback. Uh, you know, his senior season. So um, it's 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 happens at every position. It doesn't happen a whole lot at quarterback because usually when you move on to the next guy, that it's hard for that other guy to get a shot. TJ Finley's having another shot, and uh, you know we'll see if he can didn't make the most of it. Look, if you asked me a week ago if I was surprised that TJ Finley could be the starter, I would probably honestly say yeah. Yeah. You asked me that now after the first scrimmage, not surprised at all. No. No, it's it's, it's yeah, it's crazy how much things can uh, things can change, but that's why you I mean that's why you go through camp and you know all of the things that. Parsons said today that, that are in Jason's story about TJ Finley, you know, him, him discussing that it's not always what goes on in terms of a completion or looking at guys numbers from a scrimmage. Um, it's about getting guys aligned. And he, he, he had this lengthy example about um, something that happened in the scrimmage. Didn't name who it was. Do not think it was TJ Finley based on, you know, the context of that answer um, saying that, you know, come out of the huddle running back is on the wrong side and whomever was at quarterback didn't really notice and just took the snap started the play all of a sudden the play is completely out of whack because you might try to hand off one way the running back's not even on that side um you know it's kind of a broken play and so you know little things like that you know we 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 know the attention to detail to detail the kind of coach that harson is in that regard um little things like that add up over the course of a preseason camp um, you know, and, and if a guy like Finley has been the most accurate in practice so far, and he's a guy who has the best, you know, operates the offense the best in that regard and, and has everybody lined up and you know, does the best job of you know, making other people successful other than just himself, that stuff starts to that stuff starts to matter over the course of camp. And so obviously will be really interesting once we get back to the practice field next week um, to see if these reps get changed at all. Again, we're expecting that to be more of the more of the case probably by the second scrimmage. These guys will. I'll be, you know, given a continued opportunity, I think, over the next week. Um, hit on this one really quickly because I don't know if Anthony Grant um, was in here earlier, but he asked, did, did Keontae Scott make any noise today? Pretty excited about him. Yes. Um, something that we had heard was that Mark was talking about a good play. He made an individual coverage. Just have heard good things about him um, from the start of camp overall. Joe Rudolph asks, what was the biggest surprise from today? Um, I don't know if, like, I don't know if, I don't know if hearing that Finley ran the offense well is a huge surprise because he's he's been doing that so far. Um, I, I, I think Mark I think Mark talked about it earlier. To me it's it's probably Demari Austin kind yeah, of that's yeah that's good. Play, you know with Camden Brown we've heard um running backs it's almost impossible to kind of get a feel to get in a scrimmage because they're not tackling you. You're not live. Um but but to see him shake and bake a couple times and make make somebody miss and, and and get into the, the second level and do those things, that's a huge deal. Um, and my guess is that, that this Auburn coaching staff feels pretty darn good about Demari Austin and, and uh, Camden Brown after scrimmage number one. they got to be smiling going, hey, we, we got a couple of guys right there. Yeah, and it's not like he was just gifted running back three either. You know, you have Sean Jackson there as well who has looked pretty solid so far in fall camp, so he's kind of had to earn uh, – Demari has had to kind of earn that spot, and you know, he, he did that tonight. Yeah, lots of talking to Cadillac. I think it's interesting, kind of breaking down those two guys for that third running back spot. 
Um, might see both of them just because their play styles are so different. Um, you know, Sean Jackson is a guy that we saw a lot of in the spring when Jarquez Hunter wasn't available and and Damari wasn't on campus yet. Sort of just a bowling ball um, at running back, and uh, he got some burn last season. I believe he had a touchdown against the uh, against Alabama State. So I think I think you'll see both of those guys take over, you know, per se for uh, for Sean Shivers with him transferring out. Um, excuse me, Danny Malone asks Landon King Christian. This question's for you. Landon King, any plays made? Did not hear anything about, uh, did not hear much about Landon tonight. This is something that we were talking about the other day at the viewing window, Christian. It seems like, and I, and I was trying to ask Ike Hilliard about this, and I think he took the question in another direction. That's okay. But I, I think their their usage of Landon is an ongoing process in terms of them figuring out what to do with him. Because, like you mentioned, in the slot, You've got, you know, Var and, and Tavares Dawson are the guys that you want to be using right now. Um, you know, using them as a mismatch, that's the one thing. It's it's not necessarily as easy as just, oh, saying there's a there's a smaller guy to, you know, betting and put him out in the slot. I think that's something where maybe maybe even the first few games of the season, we're gonna start to see that evolve for the coaching staff, them kind of figure out what they want to do with him because he does have such a unique skill set. You want to use him. I'm not sure if they have a one hundred percent you know grasp on that at the moment. Uh, is Nathan lagging for you guys, or is that just me? Yeah, it's he's sort of fading out with me too. Yeah, yeah, but okay. he, we get him back. Yeah. We're good. We, we can keep talking. He'll find us here eventually. I just want to make sure that wasn't me. Uh, no, but no, the, the thing with Landon is, yeah, you definitely have to kind of figure out a different way to use him. Uh, one of the different pace drills um, might have been Wednesday. I think it was from Wednesday's practice. Was you know he's been kind of working at slot as kind of a big slot, and you know they. They worked their way down the field um, with with Var um, and Tavarish, and kind of once they got into the red zone, that's where Landon came in. So you have a couple different areas you can get involved. The red zone is definitely it. I think with Landon, especially running more wide receiver routes, he's probably not going to be a guy that he's not going to be on the field consistently this fall. He's not going to he's not going to get reps a ton necessarily, but they'll bring him in for certain situations and they'll be looking for him in those situations because they know, they know it can be a mismatch there. Y'all got yeah. me now. Yep. Yeah, we got you. One of the, one of the things that, that you have to watch for and, and that be careful of is, you know, we saw it last year, it became, you know, and it didn't really matter a couple of times, but uh, we've seen in the past with Gus Malzahn offenses where after about two or three games of doing that, then, then, you got to figure out a way to to use a guy more than only bringing him in when you throw the football. I, I Mark, I remember, I remember uh, ninety six, ninety seven. It, no, I take that back. It was ninety four Auburn, ninety four Auburn. Frank Sanders, Thomas Bailey. When Frank Sanders, Thomas Bailey were on the field, they absolutely would throw the football. When they took those guys off the field, it was a run ninety nine point nine percent of the time, and. uh you know, that's some of the things that you have to figure out as part of Landon. Can they figure out a way to get him involved in the offense? Now he should be he should be a guy that that can be a much better blocker for you if you put him in a slot and 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 you're gonna run the football and do some things. And so if you could do that, get him on the field a little more, but it, it's it's a deep room. It's a really deep room. And all of a sudden you, you go think, oh, we gotta have Landon King to now going where does Landon King fit? Because you know you got a pretty deep tight end room, and now you got all of a sudden you got a pretty deep wide receiver room in terms of numbers. Let's see next one here, Lawrence Robinson. Do y'all think Asante talking about Eugene Asante, the 
linebacker transfer from North Carolina catches up enough to be able to contribute. Yeah, so something that Brian Harson has disclosed a couple times now this preseason is that Eugene Asante missed some time in the spring after the passing of his father. He's away from the team um, for a little bit, but everything Brian Harson has talked about is that, he, that he's done a really good job sort of playing catch up. You know, that's, you know, catch up. He only missed a little bit of time, but, you know, getting back in there and, and getting on the same page with everybody else. And yeah, I, I think absolutely he has an opportunity to. Uh, Mark, you talked about that linebacker rotation. We've seen him get some work, I think, mostly with the second team. So far, maybe, you know, Wesley Steiner and Cam Riley have the experience edge within the system at Auburn. And, you know, overall, they've been playing the past couple seasons. But I would not be surprised to see Asante be that maybe number four linebacker, which we've seen that player in Auburn system over the past couple of years get, you know, more than enough, you know, contribution within the defense. Yeah, Christian Robinson told me he's absolutely going to play. He said he likes him. He's making progress. He's catching up from the time he missed in the spring. And he actually on Thursday went out with uh, the starter practice on the 11-on-11. He was running with the ones on Thursday. Now they switched that stuff up during practice, but that's a good sign for Eugene Asante. Let's see here. Blake, Blake Pipkin. Is Calzada pretty much out of the race at this point? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, uh, no, we're still I mean, I mean, we've talked about it. I, I do feel like it's it's three man. I mean, you know, I you know, I don't think that that Harson mentioned Holden Gurner tonight. And so I think it's it's we figured it's gonna be that way. I mean, you can't have a four man quarterback battle. It's three now, and here sooner than rather than later, it's probably gonna be down to two. Um now, Zach Calzada's in there. Again, I think the time he missed in the spring. Um, and, you know, you can you can do all the reps you want to in the summer and do all those things. There's just – there's no substitute for getting scrimmage reps in the offense you're playing in, and he doesn't really have any of those. So, uh, I, I, no, he's in, the, he's in the mix. Heck, I mean, if you still – if you still said, hey, lay odds on who the starter's going to be, hey, he still might be the favorite. Um, I'd still probably pick him. And, and so, yeah, but but TJ Finley, I think I think what he did tonight was tell people I'm not going away. So I think that's that's where we are after scrimmage number one. Yeah, and like Jason said, like that makes it that makes it all the more impressive if if a guy not named him wins that job. It's either Robbie Ashford or or maybe in a little bit more likelihood Zach Calzada, knowing that TJ Finley has now it's you know kind of indisputable that he has you know stepped up a good bit this fall and made things really really interesting at the quarterback position chip johnson said based on camp so far in the scrimmage could you guys see echo leota playing himself into a second to fourth round draft pick i absolutely has the opportunity to do that i think right now you'd probably if he, if he puts up the same exact numbers maybe like fifth sixth seventh round guy um but yeah, I mean, if, if if he and Derek Hall have another really good season, if he approaches double digit sacks with the kind of stage he has now at Auburn Christian, um, he's I mean he's pretty underrated last year with the ability that he he came on. He took advantage when TD Moultrie was away from the team for a couple of weeks. He took full advantage of that. Um, I mean, they've got we've talked about it a couple of times. This is one of the better pass rushing duos in the SEC right now. Yeah, I would probably lean in terms of draft closer to that fourth probably like third, fourth. I think third is maybe the highest you would see him. I mean, maybe he has an incredible season and surpasses that. You don't really know. But it, it just kind of an interesting thing, too, just on the edges is, you know, if if Derek and Eku have the seasons that we think they can and, you know, you need to bring in replacements for them, 
it'll be pretty easy to do that because you're going to have a ton of success. You can show guys, whether it's high school guys or guys in the portal and say, Hey, come on in and do this for us. And that, that's not hard to sell. Might you be talking about uh, Quay Russo? I wonder be able to could be, show him could that. Be. be able to show him that over the course of the season. Um, let's see, get to a few more here. Um, Hayden Harris asks, given the situation, do they try to th- run or throw more in these scrimmages, or is it a balance? Based off the notes, I get the feeling that they threw it more. Um, yeah, this is a this is a situational, like like Brian Harson was saying, what he mean, means by that is, you know, setting up different game situations, whether it's red zone, whether it's, you know, certain amount of time left on the clock, whether it's, you know, trying to get your special teams in a good position. Um, seemed like there was plenty of of, of running the ball today again that's something that they got to figure out with that offensive line too, making sure that they're in a good spot to do that because that's going to be their bread and butter this season before before they can worry about the quarterback composition at all yeah it wasn't it wasn't you know a 70 30 run but i think you'd have to consider this one was probably a little bit more run than pass i think that that was ryan harson said it as a goal they wanted to run the football they wanted to to kind of be physical and and that's that's kind of normal normal mode for a first scrimmage you get out there and go want to hit a little bit, you know, especially because you're, you're probably playing more young guys in a first scrimmage than you will in scrimmage too. Cause you know, we hadn't really mentioned that, but this is, you know, we mentioned Demari Austin, Camden Brown. This was massive for them to, to make an impact in scrimmage number one. Cause sometimes if you don't make an impact in scrimmage number one, then you don't get a chance in scrimmage number two, cause they're starting to narrow things down. And so uh, yeah, they wanted to run the football. They want to be physical and, yeah, this is where you know that offensive line, especially. Um, you gotta, you know, we we probably run through. I don't know. They they got a bunch of guys on the offensive line. You got to get it down to to eight or nine guys and go. Okay, who who are we leaning on? Who's it going to be? Because you, you know it's impossibility to, to. You know, people have always wanted to. You know, the old the old message board when it's always been, hey, why don't they rotate the offensive line? It just doesn't happen. Coaches <laughs> coaches don't do that for a reason. Um, you're gonna play the you're gonna play a, a group of guys together. You might rotate one or two guys, but um, so I think you know it's uh, you know running the football was was a point of emphasis tonight. Here you go, Mark says as someone whose grandparents were original ITAT subscribers, how fast can Mark find a 1983 magazine in his office? Um, we'll clock you about thirty seconds. There you go. So if, like you wanna, if you want to, if you want if you want original first year, just look over his shoulder because they're in the they're the, the covers are in the frame up right up there behind him. So yeah, that's eighty one. Eighty one. Yeah. There you go. Um, Chris asks, sorry, sorry if this has already been asked. I'm late to the party. How did Camden Brown look? Real um, good. Good. <laughs> a plus. Uh, yeah, we talked about it at the, at the start of the show, uh, Chris, but he was him and Demari Alston were singled out by Harson as having really good days. We know that uh, Camden had a touchdown catch from um, from TJ Finley. And, just- and, a, and a toe tap by the video that we found on, yes. on Twitter, too. So, yeah, good good play at the back end of the end zone. Yes. Good throw, good catch, all that kind of stuff. Um, until proven otherwise, Camden Brown is the is, is your fall camp standout just on both on both both sides of the ball. He's, uh, he's your guy right now. Um, let's see. When is the next scrimmage? The next scrimmage is on Friday. Like we've been talking about, that one's going to be, that was going to be pretty darn important because after that, your time starts to whittle down. And like Carson yeah. mentioned today, like after that, you're not too far removed from, I mean, we're close y'all. We're, we're two weeks away from week zero. After, after that, you're not too far removed from getting ready for Mercer. Like it's, yeah, 
it's that time. It's going to be Friday afternoon too. So it's, yep. it's going to be an afternoon scrimmage. Um, obviously Ryan Harson, Davis Harson plays at Auburn high school and they play in Montgomery Friday night. So, uh, I think they'll scrimmage on Friday afternoon. That'll give him a chance to go watch Davis and the, the Auburn Tigers play Hoover on Friday night in Montgomery. And so that should work out well for, uh, our plans to go watch a little high school football too. So, uh, looking forward to, uh, and an, an afternoon scrimmage. Hopefully it won't be too bad. Speaking of high school football, uh, Christian, I'll let you just take some time here because I don't think we're going to have a devoted um, podcast for it just because we'll, we'll get back rolling into fall camp. But uh, tell us a little bit about Auburn's newest 2023 commitment, a guy who um, watching your video, that's the, always love to see those kinds of commitments. It was an emotional day uh, for JC Hardy, a guy who's been, been big on Auburn for a long time um, and a guy who, Seems like he could be a pretty good player in the long run. Yeah, we'll touch on him for a second, and then I'll really let Jason and Mark take over because they were the first ones really out of anybody to kind of interview him and write a story on him um, dating back all the way to last summer. But, I mean, people will say, oh, only a three-star. He He's playing 1A football, and he has the size. He has the speed. He has what you're looking for out of a potential cornerback. He has NFL size and NFL speed at cornerback. He has the stuff that you just simply can't teach. You simply can't teach what J.C. Hart has. And look, you, you saw it on the video. This is a kid that absolutely loves Auburn. His coach said it. He's not coming to play for Harson. He's not coming to play for Zach Etheridge. He's coming to play for Auburn because he loves Auburn and he's loved Auburn since he was a little kid. Uh, and so that's a kid that he's going to come in and he's going to fight for his school every single day. You you really you need kids like that in every recruiting class. You need those kids, and J.C. Hart is one of them. Yeah. Um, and for people, you know, I think people might understand it um, if they're from Auburn, they grew up in Auburn. But even if you just went to school here or, if, you know, if you're from, if you don't understand how close Lochapoca is to Auburn, uh, it is rock throwing distance, uh, especially from my house. I live on the far west side of Auburn and from from my doorstep to his school is about eight minutes and and and. It's that close, uh, you know, talking to, to to Coach Rico Newton, his coach, and he's like, hey, the, the kid, you know, hey, Mom, when we're driving by the stadium, can we stop and see the stadium? That's that's how he grew up. And so, um, I don't know, the thing about this one is, um, you know, Jeff Klein, former Auburn quarterback who, who tragically passed away just a few months ago, Jeff Klein last summer says, hey, I got a guy. And I was like, okay, that that always makes me – you go okay. Let's let's stand up because those guys, when you've been there before, you know what it looks like. And so, you know, we see J.C. Hart meet him in the summer, and he go, he's going to have a chance. And he's he's gone from having a chance to to grasping it by getting stronger and getting faster. Um, he's faster than he was last summer, even though he's he's a little bigger now. He's not a, you know, he's not a bodybuilder yet. But when you put him, Mark, we've seen it time and time again, and Hey, Nehemiah Pritchett's a perfect example. I remember Walt McFadden and others. You put guys in college and put them in a strength and conditioning program and a, and a training table and do those things, Mark. J.C. Hart's a guy that's going to be 190 pounds and is going to run a 4-3 and, and going to be a guy that has a chance. And if all he ever is is a special teams guy that loves Auburn and would do anything for the program, He's worth one of your eighty-five just because of what he brings to the table. And I think he's going to be a lot more than that, Jason. You know that camp between his sophomore and junior years uh, 
I saw him stand out. He was definitely one of the very best players on the field, and he wasn't very old at that time. And when I talked to him, I could tell how articulate he is. Um, he told me he was above 4.0 grade point average. He's got offers from th at least three Ivy League schools. And uh, he's got good genes. His dad, uh, Corey, <laughs> was a stud player at Lochapoca High School who played for the Marshall Thundering Herd. So, uh, I mean, to me, this is a no-brainer. Take kids like this. Auburn needs to have kids like this on the roster to reach its potential. And uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he turns out to be one of the better players on the team. Hey, and tell you what, they got a couple more players on that team too. Um, people, if you if you hop in on a, on a Lochaboka game this year, he's not the only guy on that team. They're gonna they're gonna have some guys that are fun to watch. Hey, AU, oh, goodness, don't know how to pronounce that. I will take the compliment of has anyone seen Nathan King and Trey Lindsay in the same place at the same time? He's, <laughs> he's have, good. He's he's a good looking dude. You have that's uh, yeah. true. That's <laughs> true. At at multiple football <laughs> events. Yeah. Unfortunately, sorry to sorry to break your uh, sorry to break your uh, your hope there. But um, yeah, guys, I think we'll I think we'll cut it off there. We're goodness, fifty three minutes. Um, I think I've seen all of us yawn once individually over the last yeah, a couple uh, times for me. I think I've racked up close to 10 now. <laughs> Christian is slumped. He's almost <laughs> out of here. Um, but uh, we appreciate everybody for uh, for tuning in. I, I think I said this a couple weeks ago. We had 100. We were hovering around 100 viewers between <laughs> Facebook and YouTube together. And that was the most we had ever. And I've, I've ever done this. Um, Y'all, we've been around 250 this whole time. Um, so everybody excited about the scrimmage and uh, hope you guys will be equally excited for the season as it continues to get closer. Hope, hope everybody enjoys these. And um, we also said it a couple weeks ago, our goal of getting 4,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. We are really close to 3.9. So if y'all enjoyed this, um, go hit the subscribe button. Also, that way you don't have to worry about figuring out next time we go live. You'll be you'll be notified. Um, just subscribe and hit the little bell icon. That way you guys will know next time we're talking about Auburn football fall camp. And so uh, thank you guys so much for watching. If you're listening to this podcast on uh, probably Sunday or Monday, thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys enjoyed it, go leave us a five-star review. That's the number one thing that helps us out. The intro and outro music, as always, by Beats by Mordecai, who I saw in person in Atlanta a few days ago. That was fun. Um, <laughs> go, uh, go give him a, a follow on Twitter, SoundCloud, or Instagram, and we will catch you guys the next episode, the beginning of next week. So everybody have a good rest of the weekend. Talk to you all soon.